Hey, Jeff, it's good to be back with a reboot of our guest series. So who's our special guest today? Uh, hey, everyone. We've got Sid Baznet today, a uh, good friend from college. Do you want to give a quick introduction? Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, hey, everyone. I'm Sid. I'm currently a product manager working for MasterCard's data and services branch. Um, yeah, I'm, I live in New York City, went to Cornell with uh, Derry and Jeff, where I met Jeff. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's my first podcast. Awesome. It's great to have you, Sid. So today, the topic of discussion is blockchain. Uh, and this is a pretty hot topic <laughs> considering, you know, there's a lot of enterprise adoption <laughs> these days, as well as crypto and NFTs. And just, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a resurgence in the topic. And so I guess we'll start off with like, what got you into blockchain originally? Yes, blockchain, the B word. Um, So my (laughs) first foray into blockchain, I think, came in 2017 or so when I was working with Jeff on a project for one of our clubs, Cornell Venture Capital. We were basically consulting this corporate VC who um, was trying to understand how this new technology, this new phenomenon would impact their clients' portfolio companies. So that's what really got me into it. Before that, um, just known about Bitcoin and known that it was getting some hype, but didn't quite really understand what was going on. And through this project, we were basically able to explore um, what was going on underneath all of the hype. Um, and we got introduced to a lot of cool platforms that were pretty young then, such as like Ethereum, um, which is pretty big now. Um, but back then, the, the investment recommendation was something along the lines of, look, uh, Bitcoin has cracked the peer-to-peer payments use case, right? That's completely revolutionary, but everything else is still so mature. Um, so maybe you won't have to worry about this quite yet, but this is something that's worth knowing for you right now. Um, so that happened. And then I kind of started investing a bit um, with the little college money that I had. <laughs> um, and then the markets crashed in, you know, in 2018. And we had the whole year of ICOs, which were you know, uh, predominantly scams and frauds. So there was a lot of like negative PR for blockchain and crypto community as a whole. Um, so that kind of put me off it for a while. But then when the pandemic hit, obviously we all had like a lot more time and just had the chance to revisit a lot of these things. And Bitcoin had surged in price from what I'd bought it. So I was like, whoa, I'm actually in profit that I, uh, that I sold it. But then it kept going up again. And I was like, hey, what's going on here? So um, that kind of led me down this rabbit hole. And uh, I think everyone in the community talks about these rabbit holes when they just start entering into it. Um, and I found that the space had just evolved so much more in two years, like two short years, like other industries, there's not a lot going on. But here I was now a struggling to keep track of all the new use cases that had come about and all the new um, things that people were trying to do. But also I had to take like a harder look at what exactly makes Bitcoin so revolutionary, supposedly, right? Um, and that just snowballed into me just wanting to know more and more and more, et cetera. 
and here I am today. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you brought up a interesting trend. You know, in 2017, I was also a survivor of that huge market crash in the beginning of 2018. Uh, but you know, in the year prior, there was that huge, crazy surge in interest for not just cryptocurrencies but blockchain technology in general. For example, IBM really, really pushed their blockchain platform that year as a shining example of oh, this can be used in industry as well. But obviously, after the crypto market crash, uh, there was a loss in trust for the technology and just a loss in general public interest as well. Do you think with the resurgence in interest we saw in the past year, the this time it's different, that there will be more adoption, more sustained adoption, and I guess, you know, interest in, in, in blockchain in general? Mm-hmm. I definitely think so. And there's a couple of reasons why. The first one would just be the amount of institutional um, interest that we've seen in the space just over the last year or so. Uh, just to bring up a few examples of like big investment firms like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, all of these uh, places initially considered Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to just be this highly disruptive asset that they barred their own traders from uh, dealing with, right? And over the last year, so much has changed that now they have like active desks that are trading this. Um, Different institutions are opening up to some of their wealthiest clients, some parts of their portfolio can actually be in Bitcoin now, just because the cat is kind of out of the bag, you know? And a lot of these institutions, much like people, also seem to be FOMOing into into it. Um, That's one thing. And then the other one is just the size of the community has also gotten big. Um, One thing I've noticed is whenever Bitcoin does this like huge rallies, which seems to happen like every four years or so, there's a lot of interest that kind of uh, is picked up by the news, the media. Um, and then this time around, um, that's also happening. But over the last couple of years, there's just been so much more that's being developed that normally your um, mainstream media won't pick up. Um, so just to li- list out some examples, they would be things like um, smart contracts, the decentralized finance revolution, quote unquote. So uh, these are prime use cases where not only does, not only is cryptocurrency becoming something that's like an asset to hold for the longer run, the, there are actual users who are using this to do something um, other than gain money. And decentralized finance obviously is like a very uh, easy-ish example because all of it is around surrounding money, but we've seen recently with NFTs, you know, like exploring all of these other use cases and the celebrities are now also being brought in. So I think all in all, this is just pushing us closer and closer to a world where um, cryptocurrencies and just blockchain in general will be part of our um, mainstream lives. But uh, all that to say, I think that the the big test is still to come in that crypto is still very contained within its core users and we haven't gotten to the point where regular people are using it so that'll be a, a tough battle to fight i think you know that's 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 a really good point um so speaking of regular users you know uh i think it would be useful if you were able to talk a bit about what blockchain is for some of our listeners who you know might not have the, the tech background that you have 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can, without going into too much detail, I would say blockchain is generally just a way for a network to find consensus on something and basically agree upon something. And the word, the term can be split into block and chain, which the block is a technical term of keeping a list of transactions. It's called a ledger, an account book. And then the chain is basically the linking of blocks together such that they become impermutable um, and are sustained throughout time, right? Going into the future. Um, I would say generally that's one characteristic of the blockchain that holds across all of them. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good nutshell of what blockchain is. And in your role uh, at MasterCard right now, obviously there's a lot of talk about the applications of blockchain in financial technology. Is this something mm-hmm. that the firm, if you can talk about it, is this something that the mm-hmm. firm is uh, looking into? And have you personally sort of dealt with any um, you know, projects in that space? Yeah, so earlier this year, uh, MasterCard announced that they were officially moving into the crypto space, which is big news both for the company itself and the community, because when these big players, they acknowledge that this is something that they cannot no longer choose to ignore or um, just play around with, it means that there is something valuable worth happening here. I am not directly involved in the blockchain team within MasterCard, but I'm involved in a project around basically understanding what the blockchain data and analytics space is going to look like in the next five years or so. So that's been my area of focus of understanding where the data in blockchain comes out of, which there will be a lot of data and there's a lot of cool stuff happening, Um, but trying to find market opportunities and partnerships within the space to see what the right angle to approach this from would be. Yeah, it's definitely a very hard space from an enterprise adoption standpoint. I guess mm-hmm. outside of work, are you personally involved in, I guess, like, you know, the other aspects of blockchain, um, whether it's crypto, like you still have crypto portfolio, are you into NFTs yeah. these days? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like to invest and it's definitely something fun to do when you have nothing else to do. But <laughs> also from just a technology perspective, there's so much going on here. And as a product manager, I suppose, I'm thinking about, okay, we came up with this technology called blockchain. Like, what can we throw it, throw it at? And um, it'll stick and it'll provide something of value. And that's kind of what the space has been trying to do, I would say, for the last few years. And you've probably heard blockchain this and like you know there's like young companies starting out doing blockchain and people don't necessarily understand it and a lot of these use cases are highly experimental but but i would say um definitely of the few that do end up surviving they may leave like a big impact on the industries that they do impact and obviously financial services is going to be one of the biggest ones impacted by this yeah, is there any like really interesting application of blockchain that's that's caught your eye? Mm, there's there's quite a few. So I guess we can touch on the NFT part. Uh, so NFTs are stand for non-fungible tokens. They are closely associated with digital art these days because that's 
the one that has been making a lot of headlines because of like the crazy amounts people are spending and selling them for, right? Um, but the basic idea behind that is you basically create this token, which is unique and you can, it's not like any other token. So if you have like one Bitcoin, it's practically the same as another piece of Bitcoin because they're all fungible. They're just currency, right? With NFTs, it's if you create an NFT and this could be anything, we could use the example of like a CryptoPunk, which is one of the first um, NFT collections that was released. It is unique in the sense that there can only be this one CryptoPunk associated with whoever was the person that minted it. So this record lives on the blockchain and that you can verify from person to person, whoever you sell it to or buy it from, that this is the original um, piece of art. So there's that concept of authenticity and ownership that uh, is going to be pretty important. The, the art space sees it from like different lenses. Obviously this is a very commercial enterprise and much like how people love speculating on cryptocurrencies, I would say the boom and bust of uh, NFTs in digital art has been similar in that people are just buying these things, flipping them, uh, not even in the sense of doing anything to change it, but just holding it till they can get a higher value for it and so sell it. So that's kind of been what's been driving this. But NFTs are just the underlying technology. So another thing that could be potentially really groundbreaking is bringing identity on chain. That's like a common thing that people talk about, but hasn't quite been cracked yet. So right now your, your identity on the chain it is pretty anonymous, right? It's a wallet address, it could be anyone, so to speak. Um, and that kind of blocks some of the use cases that you would poss possibly want. So if you were like some kind of Web3 app that lives completely on the blockchain, it may want your identity for you to uh, for it to decide whether you are someone who meets a certain category and can access certain resources, such as insurance, for example. So let's say Jeff, you know, uh, is on Web three. He wants to purchase uh, insurance on the blockchain. The insurance company would want to know Jeff's past history, who he is, and not just the wallet address. And NFTs serve that uh, really good function of being able to represent who Jeff is on a blockchain such in such a way that no one else can possibly um, mimic his identity because we know Jeff's history, it's been tracked on the blockchain from time to time. So that's another thing that I find pretty, pretty useful. Sid, I think you touched on many, many very interesting topics. Yeah, from so. NFTs to identity on blockchain to <laughs> Web 3.0. Um, each of them could be an episode in itself, but mm -hmm. I guess we can start with the first one. So what is yeah. your personal philosophy on the crazy hot NFT market right now? As you mentioned, I think for most people, they understand that you know it, it's not really about the intrinsic value of the NFT itself. It's more about the buying and selling and the flipping, mm -hmm. um, just selling you know, to the greater fool, I guess. So do you think this is like a sustainable market as in is NFTs actually the future of digital art or is it really just like another bubble um, that's going to boom and bust 
as you said. Yeah, I, I think it has the potential to definitely bring digital art to another level just because it takes a resource that's plentiful on the internet, such as a JPEG, something that's digital and can be replicated multiple times, right? And it makes it scarce so that there's, let's say one copy of this particular art that I as an artist created and I give it ownership. So it comes with its own set of like rights of what you can and cannot do with it. So that idea I think is very attractive to a lot of artists just because now there's this new channel for them to basically be able to monetize their creations. And uh, music is another place where there's been a lot of interest in this. So not just necessarily JPEGs, digital art, but going back to a world where you control the selling of your music, maybe through like purchases of records. Now we're used to getting everything totally wholesale free as many times as you want. There's no limited supply of music on Spotify, for example. Um, but this allows you to be able to do that. Not to say that you couldn't get that music from elsewhere if you wanted to on the internet, but if the artist only chooses to release it on certain platforms, then you'd be drawn into those. So I would say in the long run, it's, it's still tough to see whether this new model actually competes with what consumers themselves want because our existing services of like getting art through like Netflix, right? Which you pay like a certain amount of subscription fee and you have access to unlimited content. That's a very big, big part. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this new model of um, monetizing art will fit beside the old ones. No, that, that all makes sense, Sid. So what is your general take on the future of blockchain, either from an enterprise or consumer standpoint in general? I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of ways to approach this. You can talk about future of mm -hmm. crypto or future of industry adoption, but it's, you know, it sounds like your outlook is generally positive. I would say so. Um, definitely biased just because of how much exposure I've had to the industry and seen it grow over the last few years, but there's still interesting challenges that are ahead and mostly going to be political. Um, right now, the whole space is a very free market-esque environment that, that has a lot of benefits, but also gives rise to a lot of um, scams and frauds, et cetera. So I think um, regulation, if done right, can help this, like any industry, grow and prosper. Um, but I would say on the whole, this is definitely uh, another uh, creation of something within the internet that's going to be impacting a lot of lives, if done right. Uh, so it, it, it really depends on like, what you see your view as of how the world should work. But regardless of whether you think of it as like a good addition to the world or a bad one, I would say it will still make a big impact. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think our politicians have a lot of work, right? To build out their knowledge base to, to be able to get to that point. But you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're definitely on our way. 
Um, I'm curious about like, you know, what, what you see in your future in terms of how you want to get more involved, uh, just like what you're interested in. Yeah, um, I'm, my interest is pretty broad, but I would say the goal would be to start working at a Web3 company. So quick definition there. This is crypto lingo, but basically how, how we've created the internet today is what's called a Web2 in this frame. And a Web2 company basically offers you these services for free, practically, while uh, you get to use them free of cost. They're basically monetizing your usage on it through advertising, through collecting data, selling. Um, this has been the primary mode of exchange on the internet so far. What Web3 does is it sort of moves away from that model and brings you into the network as a participant who can benefit monetarily as part of the value that you bring within to a website, let's say. So for example, um, uh, Web3 Facebook could be one where your uh, the value that you bring to the network is quantified through some kind of tokens that just rise in value, or you become a shareholder of the Facebook company itself because you're an active participant to it. And the more value that you bring, you will be rewarded. Unlike in Web2 companies where the value is primarily gone to the shareholders. So that that's something that I'm pretty interested in because I think it has a lot of consequences on how the internet space works generally. Yeah, and it's also going to topple business models, right? I don't think Google and mm -hmm. Facebook will be particularly happy about a fleshed out Web 3.0, but who knows, maybe as it develops, they also adapt in their own ways. Mm -hmm. So do you think there's going to be a lot of underlying consequences, both from an economic standpoint and from a consumer standpoint? Yes, I would say so. It's hard to see just what direction it will take, but the internet as a resource will certainly change in how um, it's distributed across its users and people who build it. So one good example of this perhaps could be within gaming, which is also another hot topic in the blockchain space is let's say you were EA, or something who makes FIFA, right? You make this game, you sell it to all the people who wanna use it um, and you create artificial marketplaces where people have to pay you to basically buy certain players, certain cards, etc. This can be, at least the market component of that can be easily translated to one where I as a, developer, for example, can create certain modifications, mods to the game and add it to the community. And the community can decide that, oh, this is actually useful. I wanna use it as part of my gaming experience. Um, and the value goes from the person who created it to directly to someone who actively wanted it. So it just brings a lot more different players into the game. and given that most things here do end up being open source, what that does is it also makes a community that creates these games and not necessarily like a centralized uh, decision maker who's like 
we get this, but not this. You can do this, but not this. So those lines I see will get blurred the more we move towards this world. That's, uh, that's I mean, that's really exciting to hear. Um, so at least, you know, that's, that's mostly it on our end, but we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, you know, Sid, you got any other last thoughts you want to share with our, with our listeners? Um, no, thank you guys for having me. I would say one final tidbit would be you could take something like this podcast and also put it on the blockchain as an NFT. And let's say someone becomes famous, the three of us, someone from the three of us becomes famous further down the line. Uh, <laughs> someone could three, own right? this part of, the, part of the internet and be like, oh, this is the podcast that these three guys were in together. So that's one way to sort of, I guess, both have the internet not be as ephemeral as it is today, but also for people to have that sense of ownership. Uh, Jeff, we're going to have to start discussing equity of zero. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> happens. Yep. We'll, just flip it. Nah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it 50-50. Oh, Sid, Sid has to get a cut too. But. <laughs> As you should. All right. Well, again, yeah. Thanks, Sid, for being on today. I think I definitely learned a lot. Um, about the blockchain space as it is and a little bit of history there too. Yeah, good to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Sid.